Tell somebody, I got the keys. Come on, come on, come on. Tell somebody, I got the keys. Come on, jingle them up in the atmosphere. Come on, tell somebody, I got the keys. Come on, keys, keys represent access. Tell somebody, tell somebody, I've got access to the good of the kingdom. Come on, shake those keys in the atmosphere. I want you to hear them. Come on, no music, no music. Come on, come on, shake them in the atmosphere. Come on, come on, let the devil know I've got keys. I've got access. I've got, I've, I've got access to go places that normal humans cannot go. I've got, I've got privileges. I've got rights. I've been approved. I've been validated to go places that normal people can't go because I'm a child of the king and royalty can go where it wants to. It can walk where it wants to. It has access to do what it wants to and what it says. Come on, shake your keys in the atmosphere. Tell somebody beside you, I've got the keys. God said you got the keys. Come on back, Marcus. Come on, thank the Lord that you got keys in this place. Come on, thank the Lord. Lift your hands in the atmosphere. Thank, thank you, Lord. I've got access. Oh, he told, he told Simon Peter, he said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you. But my God, my, but my Father which is in heaven, he said, and upon this rock, this revelation of who I am, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he said, in addition to that, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom. Tell somebody, you got keys. Said not only you, not only to your car, and that's all well and good. Not only to your house, and I thank the Lord. Not only to your office, not only to your safe deposit box. All that stuff is good, but you got keys to the kingdom. Tell somebody I've got keys to the kingdom, and tell somebody I intend to use my keys. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. I want you all to. Open your spirits up. I don't want you to receive this word today. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about various keys. It's not just one key. If you notice, Jesus told Peter, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. There are certain chambers of what God is holding for us, but it's predicated on using the right key. Praise might be a key, but you need to praise in addition to Faith is a key. But you may use exercise your faith along with some works. That's a key. Yes. Hebrews, the fourth chapter. We'll start at the first verse. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us entering into rest. Somebody say, Enter into rest. That any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. As well as to them, but the word preached did not profit them. This is the reason most saints do not live in victory. Because how many of you know that this country is inundated with the word of God? We are the most word rich country on the face of the earth. Tell somebody, we get word, but here's the problem. Said, but the word preached did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. In them that heard it. Look at this, y'all. He said, this is what we're missing out on. For the word of God is quick. Somebody snap your finger. The word of God is quick. When used and applied with faith. Time does not matter. It's not a matter if, when, 
And not when so far as time, when you get in position, when you say the right thing, when you believe in the right mode of faith, when your posture is right, somebody snap your finger. The word of God is quick. I want you to understand that, that the word of God is quick. It's not something that we have to grit, we have to grind, we have to go through emotional calisthenics to get God to do something. Everything we're trying to get God to do, God has already done. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. So before we sin, Jesus had already been slain for the sin. Before you got sick, he was already crucified for the sickness. So it's already a completed work. All we got to do is get in position with what he's already done. And when we declare God's word, it happens quick. Somebody sit up your finger and say quick. Say the word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing and dividing goes into the soul and the joints and the marrow. A discerner of your thoughts and the intents of your heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a high priest. I want you to listen to this. See, the word of God is is good when y'all read it right. Seeing that we have a high priest. Somebody say we have a high priest. That is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. See, Jesus had to walk this earth. He had to be born of a woman. He had to go through. He had to go through 40 days and 40 nights of testing and being tempted on every end. See, the word of God calls him a kinsman redeemer. Meaning that Jesus is related to what we're going through. Is this good teaching today? The word of God calls him a kinsman. Meaning, doesn't matter, Jesus is kin to me. Meaning he can relate to everything that I've gone through. The word of God said he was tempted on every hand, yet still he didn't yield to the temptation. See, some some people try to make Jesus superhuman. He was all God and he was all flesh at the same time. He was tempted on every hand, but he made a decision not to fall to the temptation. And it says that that, that, that neither is there any creature that manifests in the sight, but all things are naked before sin, that we have a high priest. We have a high priest. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted as we are, as we were, but yet he was without sin. And because he did that, and because we accepted his completed work, this is my focus today. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. So that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. See, all of that was telling a story about all the things that Jesus did to give us access. It says, somebody, now that I have access, I can come boldly. I want to read it in the Amplified, verse 4, uh, chapter 4 and 16. It says, let us, there, let us therefore fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and grace to help us in, in good time for every need appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. 
I'm going to talk about the key. Somebody put your key up in the atmosphere. We're going to talk about the key of confidence. Come on, somebody shake your key in the atmosphere. Tell somebody, I got the keys of confidence. You may be seated. Tell somebody, I got the keys. And say, today, I'm learning about my key of confidence. The word of God says that Jesus went through all these things. He was tempted just like we were to show us not only an example of, of I can do it, you can do it. Tell, tell somebody, if Jesus did it, you can do it. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, greater works shall you do because I am going to sit on the right hand of the, right hand of the Father. And not only is he sitting there, but Jesus is making intercession for us. So we have an advantage that Jesus did not have. Jesus had the advantage of God the Father being on his side. We have the advantage of God the Father and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So there is no reason that we should not at least do what Jesus did. I know you say, Pastor Tony, that sounds impossible. I mean, that's Jesus after all. Well, the same Jesus that we believe is all-powerful also gave us a mandate that you're supposed to be doing more than I did. How many of you have children in this place? Our, our hope and our wish for our children is that they go further, higher than we ever did. Any parent with good sense. Now, some parents may be jealous of your children, but whatever. But any sensible parent wants your child to do better than what you did. Is that the truth? Well, if Jesus is our elder brother, he is the gateway by which, by which we gain access, he wants you to do better. Tell somebody, God wants you to do better. I gave you an example. I gave you a template to mimic me. But doing just what I did is, is, is a flat line basis. We're supposed to be doing more. Tell somebody, we're supposed to be doing more. The word of God told me, he said, son, there are keys. There are things that my children are supposed to be accessing. But there in the body of Christ, there is a crisis of confidence. Somebody say a crisis. A crisis of confidence. God told, he told me this. He said the modern day believer is more knowledgeable and more resourced than any time in the history. Is that the truth? We've got more access to the word of God. We've got more access not only to the Bible, not only to examples of what they did in the Bible, we got more access to faith teaching. We got more access to the word than anybody else. He said we've got more access than any time in history, yet we are less effective and we are less impactful to the world that surrounds us than our forefathers that came before us. How is it that we're more knowledgeable and less effective? It's because God said the missing ingredient is that we don't have the, the requisite confidence. See, our forefathers, they didn't, they didn't know the difference between the Hebrew and the Greek. They didn't know how to, they didn't know the difference between the synoptic gospels. They just picked one and whatever they found, they were talking about Jesus, they went to. But they had a faith in God. Say, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know all these swelling words, but I know how to say Jesus. And I know there was power in that name. And I know there was healing in that name. And I know when I say that name, that demons back up. I know when I plead the blood of Jesus, the devil has to flee. 
They didn't know a lot, but they believed what they knew. They had confidence in what they knew. I don't know much, but what I know, I know. And what I know, I believe. And what I believe, I have confidence in. And what I have confidence in, I will live in. And what I live in, I will walk in. And what I walk in, I expect God to respond. Tell somebody, you must have confidence. We exhibit confidence all the time. Y'all are exhibiting confidence right now. I want everybody to stand up for just one second. This is the last time I'm going to tell you to stand up. No, the count of three, I just want everybody to sit down. One, two, three. Do you realize you, you, you just exhibited confidence? The screws could be loose in that chair. You know, we could have some termites aided or something. I mean, you don't know. But, but you, 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 you have confidence that when I sit down, it's going to hold me up. Some of us ride 80 and 90 miles an hour on tires we hadn't checked in six months. Tell somebody, you, tell somebody, you use confidence all the time. Am I telling truth? Friday just passed. We worked two weeks. Some of us waited all month for the first and the third to come around. Because we got confidence. The day he got to put cash in my hand, I'll just look at my account. Y'all see how we can have faith in the unseen? See, we exhibit faith and confidence all the time. But when it comes to God, when it comes to our stature in the kingdom of God, and when it comes to the access, all of a sudden we start letting doubt creep in. God said, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to do something that you're not already doing. What I am asking you to fine tune your focus and your confidence and your faith on what really matters. Is this talking to anybody today? God said, when you get and start exercising the key of confidence that I am the righteousness of God, that I don't care how much uncleanliness I have committed, his blood makes me righteous. I don't care how unfit I was. When I accepted the completed work of Jesus, right, he cleaned me up. He made me fit. He made me whole. He made me justified. There's a process called sanctification and there's a process called justification. Where the devil will accuse you. How many of you got a marked up past? Come on, you've done some things. Come on, come on. We in church, you've done some things. But Jesus' blood justifies us. So many times we, we want to we act like it didn't happen when the real testimony and the proof that God exists and he's real, that yes, it did happen. Yes, you did do it. But he justified me. Not only did he forgive me, he cleansed me, cleaned me up, and presented me faultless. Jesus. Woo! 
let the Father see you like that. I got to clean you up a little bit. Let me sprinkle, let me apply a little blood here. Let me take these blemishes off. Let me, let me speak, shine you a little bit. And they say, okay, Father, I know they were messed up. This is what they used to do. But because of my application blood, I present them to you faultless. Woo! And that's the way God sees you. He doesn't see you for what you've done. He sees you through the filter of his son's blood. And the blood cleanses and wipes all unrighteousness away. Can somebody look at your hand and say, thank you, Lord, that you justified me. See, God said that's part of that, that crisis of confidence. Some of us feel like we are not worthy. But God said, I've justified you. You don't have the right to hold something against yourself that I've forgiven you of. Who are you? You're not God enough to forgive and to hold things even against yourself. That's deliverance from somebody in this room. Tell somebody, tell them, let it go, let it go, let it go. Even against yourself, let it go. Some of you are, but me, man, I'm so stupid. How could I let them trick me? And they, you know, uh, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. God said, let it go. You, you have been filled with, 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 with regret, shame, and the feeling of unjustification. But God said, my blood has wiped all that stuff away. I don't know why God has me camping here because somebody must need it because I got a whole lot of other stuff to say. But I want you to know that if you would ever grasp the concept that he's cleaned you up, and you're worthy of the invitation to be here, God, I had babies out of wedlock. And God, I did this. And God, I've done that. And I've smoked more weed in a little bit. God said, if you accept Jesus, you're worthy of the invitation to be here. What did God say that he's accepted you in the blood? So as a result, you can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy in the time of need. We've been like, oh, God, if you find it in your heart, will you give me just a little medicine drop of... He said, no, I don't even respond to that. I got stuff in my hands that I want to release to you. But it requires you come to me in confidence. Because if your sheep is asking me for it, when the devil comes to try to take it, you give it up easy. Because it, well, I never earned it anyway. I never, it, 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 it never belonged to me anyway. God said, no, it belongs to me. Say, well, arrogance. Somebody say confidence. God said, you must have confidence. 
so many times, people of God, we underestimate. It's a matter of esteem. Somebody say esteem. Esteem means the degree to which we regard something. It could be self-esteem. It can be external esteem. Thank you, Mother. God bless you. It can be inter- internal esteem. It can be external esteem. Somebody say esteem. Sometimes we can play people down because we don't esteem them highly. You know, we can judge a book by a cover, you know, and, and people can underestimate what you do. And that's fine. I've been underestimated all my life. That, that, that is completely fine because I love making people's jaw drop. Love it. But so many times we can underestimate our fitness to flow in what God has called us to do. And we can underestimate the power of God. And many times we overestimate our obstacle and the power of the enemy. We need to turn our esteem the other way around. That I can do all things through Christ. See, that's the problem. We've been trying to do it ourselves. But I can do all things. But it has to be through Christ that strengthens me. That I can do no thing on my own except mess it up. Anybody ever try to do things in your own strength? And 10 times out of 10, hadn't we messed it up? But tell somebody, if you do it through Christ, you win every time. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, being confident of this very thing. Tell somebody, you got to be confident. That he which have begun a good work. Touch them, I say good work. And you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to unpack this just, just for a second. How many of you feel like God has called you to do certain, certain things? He's called you to certain areas of field of study or he's called you. That, you know, you, you, you feel like you're, what you do on a week to week or what you do in a profession is a calling. Tell somebody, I'm, I'm called. See, so many times we think callings are only for things on stage. But you being a nurse is a calling. You know, you, you, you being a teacher is a calling. Whatever your vocation is, you have to know that God has you there and he's ordered your steps. Tell somebody, it's a calling. And you may feel like you're meeting resistance and things aren't on schedule. But you have to know that you didn't begin this work. He that began a good work. Somebody point to the Lord and say, Lord, you began this. Beginning, he put the seed and the thought in you. See, the word of God says that He gives us the desires of our heart, and so many times we we like to think that that He's gonna give me whatever I want. And sometimes that is the case. But if you if you dig in the revelation, not only does He give me what I want, but He gives me the desire to want what I want. Which is an alignment for what he created me to do. Some of you is like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I ended up liking going in that field of study. Because God gave you the one. 
He put the seed in the desire. I don't know why I took up that major because God put the seed in you. I don't know why I went in this field of study. I don't know why I moved to this city. I don't know how I ended up here. It's because God put the seed in you. And the fulfillment of your purpose would not be uh, uh, achieved unless you fulfill the one. And so consequently, he who began a good work in me, touch yourself, say, God began a good work in me. Then the word goes on to say, he shall perform it. It is God that does the work. We provide the faith. I want y'all to listen closely. It's your job to provide the faith. And it's your job to provide the obedience. But it's God who does the work. And so many, reason, so many times the reason that we're straining and we're struggling and we're having sleepless nights is because we're feeling like we're responsible for doing the work. I'm not saying being lazy and being in a trance all day. No, you got to get up because faith without works is dead. But I'm talking about feeling the full weight of the responsibility to make it happen. God said, I need you to provide the faith. I need you to provide the obedience. But let me be responsible for the results. God is the God who's responsible for the results. And he says, I am the one who began the good work in you. So therefore, I'm responsible for bringing the past. So if you do what is required, if you do the, if, if you do the requisite things, if you prepare yourself, if you, if you use your faith, if you don't change your confession, if you surround yourself like around people as to where you're going, not where you're being. And that's a word for somebody. You need to get in a room. I'm telling you, God has been placing me in rooms over the last couple of months where I feel stupid. And that's where I want to be. See, the opposite of confidence is insecurity. And insecure people want to be the biggest planet in a solar system so that they can feel important. But you're never going to grow if you're the smartest one in the room. You're never going to grow if you're the one got the most faith. Deep calling under deep. God said, I need you to stretch yourself. God said, if you're ever going to be great, I'm going to put you in some circumstances. I'm going to put you in some boardrooms. I'm going to put you in some situations where you're going to have to depend on me. But if you're always looking to feel like, Lord, everything's got to be lined up and I got to feel like the undefeated, undefeated, undisputed chairman of the world when I walk in the room. God said, no, victory is not there. Victory is on the other side of that mountain. Victory is on the other side of that wolf with, 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 with true uh, uh, dripping down his mouth that's snarling on you, that's daring you. He told Joseph, everywhere your foot tread, I've given it to you. I've given you the land, but you got to possess it. That means that we move in new territory with confidence that it's already a done deal. I just got to show up to claim what's already mine. Is that speaking to anybody in this room? That's what he told Joshua. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Anybody that opposes you, they're an enemy of me. But I need you to show up. When you yell, I will knock Jericho's walls down, but you still got to climb over the rubble. You still got to climb over the boulders and risk getting cut on the legs to get what I got 
for you. And many of us thinking God, not only is God going, he going, he going, he going to create the bird. He going to pluck the bird. He going to bread him. He going to put, he going, he going to bread him. He going to put him in the deep, in the deep fryer. And he going to serve it. He going to chew it up for us like a baby bird and put it in our mouths. No! God said, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. There was nothing else I needed to do. Because I've given you the raw materials. I've given you talent. I've given you faith. But you got to have confidence to turn it into something. I'll tell you something I heard Bishop T.D. J. say. God doesn't give us furniture. But he gave us trees. He didn't give you the dining room table. He gave you a tree. It's going to take you to turn that tree into the dining room table. And some of the time we want God to give us the end product. But you've got to have confidence. Tell somebody to say, have confidence. have confidence. You've got to have confidence that he that began a good work, meaning he's monitoring the progress of the good work, meaning God began this work, meaning that his name is on the line. And God is never going to look bad. He's never going to lose. And he's never going to look bad. Meaning that when I need to step in, you do what you're supposed to do. And when it get hard, I blow my wind and, and, and opposition is going to get out the way. But I need you to show up. You showing up to the spot activates me stepping in. Somebody say, do what you're supposed to do. I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel 17th chapter. Anybody getting anything out of this? Tell somebody, I got the key of confidence. I'm telling you, when you unlock it, you're going to gain access to things that you really, oh my goodness, you're going to be beating yourself like, man, if I only had confidence, I could have had this all along. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When you exercise your confidence. This is where King David He's not king yet. It was shepherd boy David. Somebody say shepherd boy. Shepherd boy David has already been anointed by Samuel. He's already went by his father's house and said, you know, there's a king among your sons. And he, he brought all the strapping sons out, the ones that looked apart. How I many know people can look apart? They can look kingly. They can look princely. You ever seen people at the gym that look good? I mean, jogging suit, match shoes, got a headband on, everything got a swoosh on it. They look like they came to do business. But all you ever see them do, walk around that water bottle. Don't ever see them break a sweat. Anybody ever seen people that looked apart? But you never see the manifestation of the work. And so as a result, Samuel said, no, it's one more you got. He said, well, I got a little Rudy boy, David. He's tending to the shoe. He said, he said we ain't going to sit down and eat until he comes. And when he came, he said, this is the one. And the oil of God began to flow on David. And he was anointed king. But right after he was anointed king, nothing happened. 
He didn't get, he didn't get catapulted into the throne. He went back to tending his father's sheep. And so many times God can pronounce blessing over our life. God can give us a word. He can give us confirmation. A prophet, whoever, can, 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 can come something and confirm us. And we think that we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to take off like a rocket ship. But look at what David, the man that went down after God's own heart, look what his response was when he was anointed king. He went back to tending to another man's work. He went back to tending another man's work. And right here we're going to pick up where not only was he tending to another man's work, but now he was going to tend to his brothers who did not esteem him. Somebody say esteem. They did not esteem him. They did not count his word. They were punking him down. They were trying to treat him like a little chump. Oh boy, you smelling like dung. Ain't you got better stuff to do? And look at this at 31. They were talking about they ran up, on, they ran up on, on Goliath, the giant. Everybody knows about David and Goliath. That Goliath, he was taunting the people of God. He said, bring your greatest soldier. I'm a Philistine. I'm a king of the Philistines. Send me everybody you can. I'll fight him. Your God is nothing. David showed up. He showed up on scene because he was delivering lunch to his brothers who were fighting on the front line. I want people to know in this room that some of you, you know that there's a king inside of you. But right now, what you're doing doesn't match the anointing that's on you. And it's breeding frustration. Is this resonating with anybody in this room? That I know there's a king in me. I know there's a queen in me. I know there is greatness on me, but I'm in the mail room. serving people that are heathenistic that don't regard God nor man and we clock out and say God this just ain't fair anybody ever been there God knows I've been there God was with all that is in me why do you still got me doing this anybody ever ask God that question God why am I still here if I'm so great if I've been so faithful, if there's so much calling on my life, why am I still here? I want you to know that God is developing things in you in obscurity, in preparation for when he puts you on display. He's shielding you and he's hiding you currently so that you can get the wrinkles out, so that you can learn character, so that you can learn servitude, so that you can develop humility. So when you get there, you won't develop a big head and think that you made it on your own. Tell somebody the process is making me. The process is making you. It's making you. It don't feel good. You don't even feel like you're learning something. But a wise teacher is always teaching even when you don't know it. That you are learning things. 
I am preparing you for moments that you don't know of yet. And when the proper moment shows up, you will draw off the well of what you went through. And it will give you confidence. Say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've seen this before. I've been here before. I've seen this before. I've seen this scenario before. I've been here. I'm not worried. Everybody else is shaking in their boots. But I know just what to do. Because when I was here, oh God, I thank you. I faced this situation. I went through this. And God, I realized that you were ordering my steps all alone. And I didn't like it. And it didn't feel good. But it prepared me for my moment right here that's what that's what David was saying I done preached it before I gave you the text and it says this at 34 33 and Saul said to David he said you are not able to fight against this Philistine he said look I fight this dude because this thing is bothering me can I tell you the key to your next doorway? Pay attention to what bothers you. I ain't talking about your OCD tendencies and all that stuff, uh, our crazy quirks. I'm talking about something that gives you uh, indignation and insatisfaction in your spirit. God said your doorways are connected to what disturbs you. If you're riding down the street and you see somebody that, 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 that is living beneath, I don't care whether that's somebody who's prostituting or, 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 or you see somebody who's just not in harmony and that thing disturbs you, that could be a doorway. That could be the very thing that you've been pre preparing all your life for. David responded to something that disturbed him. And he said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him. For you are just a youth. You see how people will limitate you. you might, you're too young. You're too old. Females can't do that. Men can't do that. Blacks can't do that. Whites can't do that. People in the South can't do that. People at your level of your education can't do that. And there are some things. You can't walk up, open no, no, no dentistry practice tomorrow. You got to get certified. So when you're saying you're going to go to jail, you impersonate a lawyer or something. Nobody's saying that. And all I get it, let's get understanding, amen. But look at David's response. But David said to Saul, look at this. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when a lion came or a bear came and they took a lamb from the flocks, this is how diligent I was. This is how faithful I was. This is how committed to what I put my hands to. He said, when a bear or a lion took one of my father's lambs, not my own lamb, but another man's work. This is how faithful I am. When he took a lamb from my father's flock, he said, I went after him and I struck him and, and delivered that lamb out of his mouth. And, and, and I just took it back. But if he arose against me, took him by his beard I struck him and I killed him say your servant has struck down both lions and bears and so consequently this uncircumcised Philistine 
shall be like one of them. Why? Because he has defied the armies of God. I want you to know that when you are getting ready to battle, when you go into that workplace, when you are, when you are up against enemies and foes, you are not representing your name. You ain't representing your hood. You ain't representing your clique. You are representing the kingdom. And anybody that opposes you opposes the kingdom. You are uh, an ambassador of the kingdom. Let me tell you how strong ambassadorship is. Ambassadorship, uh, if you go right now to the embassy in Russia, it is considered sovereign land that belongs to that country. That another country cannot go in it. If you are in it, that even if you did a crime, they can't even arrest you. Because you have taken asylum in the embassy. Do you not know that we are in this world? But we're not of it. We reside in the embassy of the kingdom of heaven. Meaning that God had to plan us here because he wants us to take more territory of the kingdom of darkness and convert it over to the kingdom of God. But God is saying that you're in this world and you're not of it. Not, does, not only does that mean that, that, that certain things don't apply to you, certain things can't plague you, that means that you have an ark of safety that you run in. But not only does it mean that, it's that, that when you step out of the embassy, you've got the power of the embassy of the kingdom of heaven backing you up. You have to realize it's not about you. When you're going and teaching in that classroom, it's not about you. It's about the advancement of the kingdom. When you're in that hospital and you're doing, you're doing things and you're pushing patients around and you're taking blood pressure, it's not about you. When you're in the courtroom or whether you, I don't care if you're a meter maid and you're giving tickets, it's not about you. Everything that you do is about kingdom. Everybody that you touch is about kingdom. And when you have the mentality, it gives you a certain level of confidence. That I'm not here just to clock in and clock out. I'm on kingdom assignment. I'm, I'm, I'm about kingdom business today. And as a result, he is my shield. He is my buckler. He is my defense. And no plague can come near my dwelling. Because God has a, bit, uh, a vested interest in me succeeding. Therefore, I cannot fail. But you have, to, you, have, you, have, you have to activate God's protection. You have to activate God's providence. You have to activate God's supply with your confidence that if you don't draw off of it he won't supply it tell somebody you got to draw off with confidence I'm reminded all the time little Kendall what Kendall is she probably sleep yes she sleep She just turned eight years old Thursday. And my wife nursed all our children. Nursed them for nine months. She's a, she's, she's a woman, sure enough. Had them natural and nursed them nine months. But I remember when she went back to work, she'd always be taking this pump with her. I said, baby, why are you doing all that? She said, I've got to keep drawing or the milk will dry up or the milk will dry up meaning that there will always be supply 
as long as there is demand. But when the demand dries up, the supply dried up. Whenever she was finished nursing, she had to get a little engorged and had to just let it sit there a while because she knew if I kept drawing, it was going to keep supplying. And God said, there were so many things I've got for you. It's in storage, but I can't supply it unless you make a demand. Tell somebody to make a demand. A consistent demand. Say that you can come boldly before the throne of grace. Tell somebody, I belong here. And I can make demands. Because the Father wants to supply. But he can't supply if you don't make a demand. Word of God says we have not because we don't ask. And furthermore, we don't ask in faith. Give and it shall be given. So many times we think God is the initiator, but God is really the responder. Then when you make a demand, he provides the supply. Thirty-seven says, and, the, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lions and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Can I tell you the battles that you've been fighting in private? How many feel like you fought some lions and some bears? And tigers, oh my. It's been preparation for your gateway. And Goliath is at the gateway. Anything worth something is going to be guarded by a giant. But the mundane things, you like, oh man, here I am picking ticks out these sheep, shoveling dung, chasing strays away. Here I am, a king. I'm a king in the making. I already got the anointing. Already been validated by God, but not promoted by God yet. I'm in this in-between stage where God has poured the oil on me and I'm validated, but I'm not yet on full display. God said, don't discard the fact that I've got you in obscurity and nobody knows your greatness. That nobody has, nobody has, nobody has shined the light and said, you know what? You're great. Come up here. You're great. Come on the stage. You're great. Take this project. God said, just work on your craft. Because the things that you are considering mundane, it's building your confidence. It's building your work ethic. And that's what David had exhibited. He exhibited the fact that, he exhibited the fact that I've done this before. I've done worse than this. 
I've seen worse than this. And this dude is, this dude is like work. Well, he ends up doing this. And look, look, look at his response. This is the last thing I'm going to share with you. At 38, Saul said, okay, that's cool. I'm going to let you fight him. Then he said, then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put on his helmet of bronze on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And, Jesus, and, and, and David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried it in vain to go with it, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, he said, I can't go with these, because I have not tested them. He said, I don't have confidence in this. Even though it's more sophisticated, even though it was going to provide me more protection against this, I don't have confidence in this because I have not tested this. Mm. Everybody standing. I want to say to you as you're standing that God has you in testing mode. Everybody standing. God has you in places where you know that God has opened up a divine door. He has you in places that you have no business being. And the temptation is that when I'm in Rome, I'm going to do as the Romans do. Then I'm going to look around and see how everybody, everybody conducts themselves, how they respond to this, how they respond to pressures, how they try to be political, how they try to do all this stuff. God said, don't you forsake what it took to get you here. That's what David was saying. He said, I, he said it's great, King Saul, I am not trying to disrespect I get, you know, I'm trying to, I, I'm honorable to what you have given me, but I can't use what I have not tested. And I cannot have confidence in something that has not been proven. And what God is saying to you in the way, in the doors that I'm about to open, and I want you to listen with your spirit. In the, in, in the doors that I'm about to open for you. In the audiences that I'm about to put you in front of. There, were go, there was going to be a temptation to try somebody else's weapons. To try somebody else's tools. But God said, don't you waver. Don't you move one scintilla. Don't you move one iota. I have begun a good work in you. And what it took for you to get you here is going to keep you here. What am I saying? The same integrity that you exhibited to get here. When, you, when you're tempted to fudge a number, to fudge a report, to make something look good. When somebody's trying to tempt you to go off and go, and go to cocktail hour with somebody. Or go to somebody's hotel room with somebody. God said, you better stick with what got you here. Don't use the tools of this world. Even though it looks more sophisticated. Even though it looks shinier. Even though it looks easier. David said, that looks all good and sophisticated. It don't fit me. I don't have confidence. God said, not only do you have to have confidence in me, 
not only have the confidence in yourself, but you got to have confidence in what I've equipped you with. Tell somebody beside you, what you have is enough. Come on, tell somebody else beside you. Tell me, what you have is enough. He said, I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. What you have is enough. I'm not saying don't, 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 don't go and educate yourself and don't do this. But what I've already, God said, what I've already put inside of you is enough. And so you don't have to covet what somebody else has. You don't have to covet what somebody else is doing. You don't have to covet the way somebody else preach. You don't have to covet the way somebody else pray. You don't have to covet the way somebody else sing. You don't have to covet. God said, what I put inside of you is tailor-made to what I called you to do. And only you can do it. And you need to show up with your confidence that I, I may not be like this. I may not can preach like Paul. I may not can do like this. I may not can pray like sister such and such. But what I have in me, I am yielded to God. And just like the little one with the, with the fish in the loaf, he gave what he had to Jesus. And Jesus multiplied what he gave him. I want you to hold hands with your neighbor. I want you to encourage them. Tell them you need to have confidence. Tell them I know that you're not. Tell, tell them I know that you're not good enough. Tell them that because neither am I. Tell them you're not qualified, but you're justified. And you belong here. Tell somebody you belong here. Squeeze a hand. Tell them you better have some confidence. Access to the grace that you've been waiting on. Access to God's ability. He may not take you out of the fire, but he will cool the fire so that it won't consume you. But you got to have confidence that if God allows me to go in the fire, that the same one, he will deliver me. That's the confidence that I have. That he to begin a good work in me. He will perform it. He will shift. He will move. He will augment. He will shift things. He will set up one. He will take down another. And he will make sure that when the dust settles, I'll be left standing. Tell somebody, this is my confidence. This is what I'm sure of. This is what I am aware of. I don't know much, but I know this. That he that began a good work in me. He's going to perform it. Come on, let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done in this room. We thank you, Lord, that you have grabbed us by the collars and you begin to shake us so that we have full awareness and knowledge and confidence that you began a good work in us. We thank you, Lord, for the good work that our brother and sister, as we squeeze that hand, God, we thank you, Lord, that our brother and our sister is a good work. They are not discarded work. They are not rubbish. They are not leftovers from life. God, they are a good work. Though this world may have discarded them, God, you picked us up. You brushed us off. 
You've purified us. You've made us justified. And right now, God, we receive your confidence. We receive the confidence that you have in us, God. Don't put no other people are, 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 are looking at us like we're lightweights. While other people are looking at us like we don't belong. And we don't fit. And we don't qualify. And the truth of the matter is, God, in our own strength, God, they are telling the truth, God. But it is in you that we live. And it is you that we move. And it is you that we have our being. So God, we take off the clothes of our own ability, God. And we dress ourselves in your grace. Lord, we come boldly before your throne so that we can obtain grace and mercy, God. I thank you right now that your, that your, your, your that grace begin to fall on your people, God. Unmerited favor. Grace that we did not earn. Grace that we did not deserve. Grace that, the truth of the matter is, God, we deserve the opposite based on our actions, God. But there is something that you see in us. There is something of value that you see in us. And so, Lord, we boldly not sheepishly, not timidly, God. We come before you to obtain the mercy, to obtain the grace to live these lives. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for grace, Lord, to live in these marriages, God. I thank you, Lord, for grace to parent these children. I thank you, Lord, the grace, God, to be on these jobs, God. We thank you, Lord, for grace. In the time of need, God, we, this is the time of need. Lord, if we never needed you before, God, we need you now. Somebody lift your hands and receive his grace in this place. God, if we've never needed you before, God, we receive your grace to do the impossible. We receive your grace, God, to face every giant. Lord, Lord, we are doing kingdom business, God. Make us kingdom-minded. Come on, begin to open your mouth and receive his grace now.